Well, good morning again. Some of you, uh, thank you for the response. Sorry, I should have said that. Good morning. You sometimes get response, sometimes you don't, so I just keep rolling. Uh, some of you know me, some of you do not. Um, I am Mitch Hines, the uh, pastor of worship here at Grace. And I just want to, um, I don't think we did that before, but give the band a hand. I mean, they led us in worship, and it was, it's, uh, it was incredible to uh, step back and just let them lead. And so hopefully you were as blessed as I was. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I wasn't here as well. And um, I took a team of 18 of us from uh, this band to Atlanta for a conference, a worship leaders conference for their teams and, and leaders. And we had a great time of just growth and uh, just a time of coming together and learning. And uh, again, it was just incredible that there was still a band here. <laughs> there were still people to lead here. We just have such amazing talent. And I want to highlight that just because it's, it's incredible. And um, I'm also super excited to be able to share with you what God has been teaching me, uh, not only through this passage, if you've been with us for a while, we've been going through the book of Mark, and, um, but also uh, I'm going to be sharing what God is kind of teaching us, my family, through this whole um, year. Uh, can you believe, by the way, it's almost June, which means we're almost halfway done with 2019. Uh, I was reflecting on that. It's just really crazy. So um, for my wife and I, 2019 started kind of in a blur. For us, right away, right in January, we had three weeks in a row we were in Atlanta. Um, our son, Micah, if you're familiar, he has a uh, hydrocephalus condition where he has shunts in his head that drain fluid, and he had to have a revision. He then had a massive seizure that put us in the ER, not sure what was going on with that, and then we went back to Atlanta thinking he had another re- uh, revision we would have to, and I mean, it's just stressful. And that was first three weeks of January, and we get to February, and uh, we find out that my sister, Casey, who is 10 years younger than I am, she passed away, and uh, so that meant an Iowa trip, uh, a funeral for her, some grieving, and that as well. And then, uh, keep going, I'm probably going to break down right away, that's so lame. Um, <laughs> my wife and I found out we were expecting and uh, our sixth child, and we were so excited, like, oh, finally, our year can start, we have so much excitement. And then right around the 12th week mark, we find out that we have a miscarriage. And so all that planning and all that excitement for a brand new start kind of came to a halt. And so needless to say, 2019 has been very difficult for our family and I, um, So I share all that to say, pray for us, please. Um, But secondly, sometimes life throws things at you that you're not expecting. Sometimes life throws things at you that you don't want. And anybody feel me? Anybody right there? Some of you, right, are going through struggles, similar struggles, or even worse, harder struggles than I am uh, right now, and you're currently going through those things. Um, Some of you have just gone through some struggles, and you're just coming out seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, um, but, but you're, you're still very fresh on your minds. And, and dare I say that some of you are about to head into a season of struggle, most likely. But they just come and go, and if you're not expecting it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So I, I don't mean to put that on you, sorry, if you're going through a really good time right now, sorry. But something's coming, okay? And um, whatever your current situation, though, wherever you find yourself in, I believe that this passage, this next section of Scripture, will, will speak to each of you as it is spoken to me. So uh, we're in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, and Jesus had just finished teaching the crowds in parables. If you remember, if you were here last week or the week before, John, Pastor John talked through and and taught through some of the parables. Now, if you missed that, 
I encourage you to go back and just listen. We have an app. The slide's right there. If you want to download that, all the messages are easily accessible in there. Uh, you can even listen to the message, not video, listen audio and take notes at the same time. So the notes are still accessible, still there. You don't have to run around trying to find, where was my paper from last week? It's all within the app. Plus, there's a prayer wall um, that keeps updated prayer needs and requests that are happening. You can even add some there if you don't know who to reach out to. You can just add it from within the app so we know what your needs are, and we would love to pray for you. So if you didn't catch that, download the app. It's right there. And uh, if you're tracking along, if you have your Bible with you or Mark chapter 4, verse 35, you can read in the app or on the screen behind me. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke out over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word to us that is um, not only helpful for teaching and rebuking, but God just gives us life. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus, it, it breathe life into us. It give us true hope. And I pray that this morning that um, you would teach us, that you would be leading me as I speak and leading us from this place to live in a different way, to live as if we have hope. And so, God, I thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, from this uh, story, many of you have heard it if you grew up in church. Jesus calms the storm. It would be easy to say, well, your life is a boat, and you're in the boat, and storms come, trials happen, so make sure Jesus is in your boat. It'd be easy to say that, right? Okay, good. All right, move on to the next story. Okay? And while I think that's true, that, that's not untrue, I think there's more here, and I want to unpack some of that as we go through it. Um, you'll see a map up on the uh, screen. Jesus and his disciples were on the northwest shore-ish there, and, and they were on the Sea of Galilee, which on here it's called the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, same thing. And Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He just said, let us go. The other side of the lake was where the Gentiles lived, a place where many Jews wanted to avoid. They didn't want to have any association with those people. They didn't want to be around them. Uh, but even so, Jesus and his disciples get in the boat, and they go. They didn't question Jesus. They didn't even prepare. You know, a lot of times, if you were going to take a trip, you go and pack your bags. You get stuff ready. They just got in and went. Um, it says they took him along just as he was, meaning they didn't prepare, in the boat, and they left. So we could take that to mean, if you want to apply this to your life, wherever Jesus says to go, go. The disciples didn't question, they didn't prepare. Okay, Jesus, let's go, right? Um, or maybe, as it says, leaving the crowds behind, there. Maybe they just wanted to be away from the crowds. They thought, finally, we can maybe get some peace and rest. It says later when evening came. So they had been doing a whole long day of ministry. They'd been around needy people. Jesus has been doing miracles and teaching, all these teachings and, and things that people need. And they're like, okay, you want to go? Good. Let's go. Let's get away from the people. Um, either way, they went. They set sail. Jesus goes to sleep. So the disciples are like, oh, yeah, we can get some rest too. Okay, and then a storm comes. If you were to research the Sea of Galilee, you would find 
that it is prone to storms, that storms happen pretty regularly, and they come up suddenly with the geography and, and all the things that happen. It just Storms can just come up suddenly. So the disciples were most likely aware of this. They were fishermen, many of them, right? And they just they knew the sea. They'd been on the sea many times, and so they weren't just like, oh, a storm. Where did this come from, right? But um, they probably also regretted their decision. As soon as they were, you know, in the middle of the lake or some, and then there was a big storm. They're like, oh, I don't know why. why. Why are we in this here? And the massive storm used in the Greek, it says squall in that translation. Some, some say storm, but it's the word used like a hurricane. And I don't know if you, anybody familiar with a hurricane recently. Okay. When I saw that, I was like, well, we're very familiar, right? There's winds and there's rain and it's just destruction everywhere, right? And it says the the waves were crashing over the boat. It says nearly swamped in my translation, but that just means it was filling with water already. Okay. And so if you can imagine this, the disciples were probably yelling, screaming at this time and Jesus is sleeping. Did anybody sleep during the hurricane when it passed through? I mean, I saw a bunch of videos of people filming it, right? <laughs> Whoa, look at this, you know? Um, but can anybody imagine sleeping, right? I mean, you're on a boat in the middle of a hurricane, not just in your house, comfy, right? But you're in a boat, okay? But Jesus is asleep. Um, is anybody a hard sleeper in here? Sleep pretty hard? Not, not many? I am, for sure. I, in college, um, I had to hook my alarm up to my computer. You know, back in college, I had the big speakers, you know, you know, and I, so I took my alarm up to that really loud music. My roommates hated it. You wait, you know, go early, and I was still sleep through that alarm. So my roommates are like shaking the bed, trying to wake me up. Mitch, your alarm! You know, and my wife will tell you too. She's my alarm. Actually, my alarm goes off. I sleep through it, and she, hey, your alarm's going off. Okay. So um, if the moral of the story, if you want to be more like Jesus, be a hard sleeper. Not really. But what I really want you to notice is the question. I want you to notice the response of the disciples. The disciples wake him up and they say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This, this account, if you read Matthew or Luke, it's, it's told there as well. And what it says the disciples say is, We're going to drown. We're drowning. Help, right? And I'm sure they said all those things. But I believe Mark gets to the heart of their question and why they question him. Because they say, Don't you care. So when something unexpected happens, storm, surgery, death, struggles, hardship, pain, is my response, Jesus, don't, don't you care? Is, is your response to those situations and circumstances, don't, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm trying to do? Do you, do you care about me? And you, you may not actually say those words, but I, I want you to really look hard, and I, I look really hard at my life. What is your response to it? Do your response say, Jesus, don't, don't you care? So I thought of some examples. Of, you know, when something happens, do you, do you pull away from church? I'm just, I'm just too tired today. I can't go. Do, do you pull away from K-group? Wednesday nights, we meet small groups. If you're not familiar with, with K-groups, I... I encourage you to ask around it and see what they're about. But do you pull away from those groups? Oh, I'm just, I can't deal with that. I'm too tired. I don't know. I'm just, I'm struggling. I can't, I just can't do it. Do you, do you stop serving in children's ministry? Um, I'm just, there's too much going on. I can't, I can't do that. Do you stop reading your Bible? Do you avoid prayer? Do you try to remedy the situation yourself? 
I'm going to pull my bootstraps up and I'm just going to tackle this situation head on. Do you ignore the problem? When you and your spouse have struggles, do you run to somebody else? Maybe your parents. Um, I, can't, I can't talk to my wife about that, but I can talk to my parents. I can talk to my coworker about that. When you have a, a discipline issues with your kids, do you ignore it? <laughs> do you say, well, the church can take care of it. We'll bring them to church, and the, the church can, can handle that. Or do you send them to the school system? The school system can correct that for sure. When you struggle with your job or those you work with, do you talk about them behind their back when, when they're not around? Do you search for other jobs instead? I just can't work here. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Do you complain? It's in these moments, hardship, struggle, difficulty, we choose our response. I think it's too often in our culture today that everybody else is the problem. It's never my, it wasn't my, well, not my choice. So they did this to me. So it's their, it's their problem. No one made us pull away from God, church, or K-group. No one made us question God. It was our own choice and how we responded. And this is something I'm constantly learning. I'm sure that you'll have to constantly learn as well. And something I'm trying to teach my kids as well, that no matter what the other one did to you, you choose your response. He hit me. What would you do? I hit him back. You chose your response. I don't care what they did, right? You chose your response. And that's the same with us in the Christian life and in, in life in general. You choose your response. Um, and if you remember how this year has been for my family, it was super difficult. I could take that and just be angry, be frustrated. I'm just tired. I'm wore out. We've got too much going on. I'm just going to wait for the next thing to happen. I'm just going to hold in and not, not do anything. Or I could trust God. And I can tell you that my faith and trust in Jesus is stronger than ever. And, and personality, I think, plays a role. If you, if you know me or have known me for a long time, you know, I, I like to have a good time. I like to joke. Pretty even keeled most of the time. And I think that plays a part. That for sure does. I don't want to downplay that. However, there is something deeper that I believe God has rooted within me and my, my wife and our family. It's a faith that we can trust God and he makes good on his promises. He's faithful. The Bible says that God is faithful. And we really believe that. And even if it doesn't feel like He's going to come through, even if it doesn't feel like after a situation happens. Well, he didn't come through how I thought. We trust and believe that whatever happened in that situation was on purpose. It was an accident. God is faithful, and he walked through with us. Uh, Megan and I like to say, and she, she came up, she told me this quote. I, it could be a, a, a famous author, but we couldn't think of the author. It's on the screen in your notes. We don't interpret God through our view of our circumstances. We interpret our circumstances through our view of God. So let me read that again. We don't interpret God through our view of our circumstances. We interpret our circumstances through our view of God. So no matter what happens, whatever life throws at us, we refuse to allow these things to change our view of God. Because what happens is, right at that time, all oh, things are bad. You know, God must be mad, mad at me. I must have done something wrong. Or God's just not good. How could he be good? This is, I'm going through this terrible situation. He can't be good. That's, that's what we start to think like if we interpret God through our circumstances. But if we go the other way around, we know that God is good. He is faithful. He is just. He is loving. He cares. It's like the disciple says, don't you care? He cares. 
And so we interpret our circumstance. God, this doesn't feel good at all, but I know you care. I know you're with me, and I'll endure. See, that's, that's the, the, the opposite way. And so I think that even though the disciples questioned Jesus' care for them, they did do something right. And I, I caught this, and I thought it's perfect for our church, even at this time right now. They did something right. They were in community. They were together. Right? They, they, were all, they all woke up Jesus. In the, in the verse there, it said they went, the disciples, all of them, hey, Jesus, do you care? We're going to drown here. Right? They, they are all together in that. We don't hear an account where a disciple said, hold on, shh, don't, don't, don't wake him up. You know, we, we can do this. We can manage this. This is going to be a small storm. Right? We can, let's go. Guys, raise the sails. Come on, let's ride this out. Right? We don't, we don't hear that. We also don't hear another one that says, listen, he's asleep. Jesus doesn't even care. Let's just you know, let go and let God. Right? We, don't, we don't hear that. We don't hear, um, hey, guys, you know what? I see the storm coming. Let's, let's turn around. Let's go back. He's asleep. He won't know. And I'm sure if Jesus really wants us to go to the other side, we can wait until the difficulty passes. Right? We don't hear any of those things. They're together. They went. They probably knew that Jesus knew there was a storm. I mean, he's, he, Jesus has done some amazing things even so far. They're like, okay, he probably knows but we're uncertain, so we're going to go wake him up. And they did it together, right? They were together. And they asked him to reveal that he actually cared. That, that was really the question. It wasn't, you know, it could be, don't, don't you care? No, it's, God, we need you to show that you care about us. They, they really just wanted to know. And so I have to wonder how long it took them to wake up Jesus, right? How long did it take before, you know, maybe they saw it brewing, like, oh, okay, you know, maybe it, maybe it would just be a light rain, you know, maybe it won't be that bad. Obviously, God wants us to succeed, okay? So it won't be that bad, right? Before they were like, okay, it's time to just wake him up. It's time to go. Um, but again, consider your response to life circumstances because sometimes you see him coming and sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes you see him and sometimes you don't. And, and so that's why I say that they were together because this church has rallied around my wife and I, especially during this time. And we've seen that, how togetherness, we can get through things. God can handle your mess for sure, but this church can too. And I encourage you to reach out to those. Uh, my wife and I have another saying. I think we have a lot of good sayings, apparently. So I'm going to write a book of my wife and I's sayings. But we have this hanging up in our, in our room. It says, better together. Anything that comes our way, we're always better together. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have arguments or disagreements. That we, we do, for sure. We're not like, you know, the... What's the show? Leave it to Beaver. Okay, not that. But no matter what we go through, no matter what arguments we have, at any cost, we come back together because we are better together. And that's what I think the church is. If you look throughout Scripture, there's so many examples of unity or togetherness or one another's in the church. And just a few examples, Mark chapter 9, verse 50, be at peace with one another. John 6, 43, don't grumble among one another. Romans 12, be of the same mind with one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. And James 5, 16, confess sins to one another. So through life's storms, the things that life throws at you, come together. Get with your K group. Get with your fight club. Men, I know women have fight clubs too, right? They, they called anything different? They're fight clubs. Women fight. Get together with people. Get together with your discipleship groups. This church, just find somebody in this church, a friend, any of the pastors, 
We want to reveal God's character to you because he does care. And how he does that today is through his people, through his church, through each other, lifting one another up, encouraging one another. So the disciples are together. They're united. They cry out to Jesus, ask him, don't you care? And Jesus responds. You read with me in the next verse. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. What that says to me is, through his actions, Jesus said, of course I care. Of course I care. He didn't just get up annoyed as, you know, if I get woken up in the middle of the night, I'm annoyed. I'm not happy. <laughs> if you wake me up, I'm just, I'm not happy. But Jesus, he didn't do that. He didn't say, what, do, you know, do I care? What are you talking about? What, I mean, what's your, what's your problem, right? No, he gets up and he does something. He doesn't respond to the disciples. It doesn't even say, but I wonder if he didn't even look at him. He gets up, okay, wait, and he just did his thing, right? Didn't even respond to the disciples' question, didn't talk to them. He just said to the waves and the wind, quiet, be still. He spoke to the circumstance. And I want to say this and make this clear before uh, we, we take this and run with it. This isn't like a magical formula. Oh, so something bad's going to happen. I say, Jesus, don't you care? And then he fixes it. That, that's not the case. And you, if you read the entirety of Scripture, read through, that's not always the case. Sometimes he does. But I will say that he always will speak to the situation, whether you're supposed to endure it or he'll fix it. Does that make sense? He won't always just do it. It's not a magical formula. He will do something to reveal his care. Like I said, we were going through a difficult time, and God revealed his care by the church rallying around us, people praying for us, encouraging us, bringing food. And I'm sure many of you have seen the same. People bring you food unexpectedly. People provide for you. God, I don't know how I'm going to make this, this financial need. And then people provide for you. It's God revealing his care for you through his people. He speaks to the circumstance, whether he fixes it or lets you endure it. We find an example of this. If you want, I said there are many examples, but I have one um, that God reveals his character even in the middle of it. In Psalm 23, um, it reads this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. At the beginning there, it sounds, oh, it sounds nice and pleasant. Still waters, green pastures. But th this next verse is what, what really highlights it for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The, the overarching truth is, in the middle of the situation, God prepares the table for you to sit with Jesus. For you to sit with him in the presence. It's not after he defeats the enemies. Okay, now you can rest and, and rest with Jesus. It's not after my troubles go away, not after the situation's fixed. It's not after the storm passes. In the middle, in the presence, in the midst of my enemies. He prepares a table. He will commune with us. He will sit with you. He will reveal his care and his love for you. Sometimes he'll come through the way you want, other times he won't, but scripture says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He sees the bigger picture, and I know that doesn't ease the pain. It's still hard, and that's okay. It's still hard. I'm not trying to say, well, 
you know, God's ways are higher, so it must be okay. It's, it's not, sometimes it's not okay, and it's okay to say that it's not okay. It's okay. God can handle it. We can handle it. It's okay to say that. But the truth is, this provides that tangible hope. This provides a real way that in the midst of hopelessness, there's hope. But as it is with Jesus, much of the time, there's more to his answer. He didn't just calm the wind and waves and go back to sleep. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And to me, it's here where Jesus says, I have more for you. I'm not just going to solve all your problems. I have more for you. Yes, I care, but there's room for growth. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to drown, for sure. He, scripture says God desires none of us to perish. He doesn't want us to drown, but it's okay to sink for a little bit. Sinking, struggling, fire, trials and temptations, difficult circumstances, hard things in general. As I said, life is hard. This is where growth happens. It's where faith happens. It's where God shows his power to us in a real way and how God shows his power to outsiders in a real way. That's one of my favorite things about when, when we go through difficulty through our whole life. It's one of my favorite things is as we endure, as we go through, and not perfectly, by the way, I'm not just, hey, look at me, look how perfect I am. But as we go through these things, one of my favorite things to do is share our faith. Because everybody, I mean, so many people ask, why are you so calm? This is terrible. Yeah, you're right, but I have hope. I have a true, tangible hope, and they, they want to know more. It's just, I love that. I love being able to answer that question. Why do I have hope? And, you know, a typical response from unbelievers, I don't know if you've ever heard this, you know, how can a good God allow bad things to happen? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody? It's a hard thing to respond to. It really is. It's hard to respond. And I've heard, like, Robbie Zacharias, anybody heard of him? Super intelligent guy, but I can't articulate the way that he can. But, but one way that related to me is if, if, every, if there were no bad things, Right? If there were no bad things in this world, we're God. Hold with me here. If everything's going my way, my will, my wants, my desires, my plan, if it's going according to my plan, then I am the God of my story. And then, and then if you think, then if you take one more step, we all can't be God. Because my way What's good for my plan is not good for yours, often, right? Our plans are going to conflict, and then, then we're going to have another problem. And how can that be? Well, because we are not God. That's just the simple truth. And there is a good, loving God that exists because we, we all can't be God. So Jesus responds to the disciples, where is your faith? Do you still have no faith, is what he says. Why don't you trust me instead of being afraid? The, the questioning of, of God's character, of, of his plan, the, the questioning there does negate faith. It means you have no faith. Because faith, if you, if you look at the real definition of faith, it's completely resting on something. And I, I remember bringing Trent up here one time, and I'm not going to do it again, but he ate a really bad cookie, and he's never forgiven me for that. I ask for your forgiveness again, but I want to ask everybody, everybody's sitting in a nice, comfortable chair right now, so just 
stand up slightly, stand up just slightly, just ever so slightly. He's resting a little bit on the chair, but just slightly, right? Just a little bit, okay? Now, yeah, think of how exhausting is that going to be, right? I mean, it's exhausting. You're not faith trusting in the chair. It's going to hold me up. No, it might fall, so I'm just going to sit here like this the whole time, right? That's why Jesus says, have you no faith? You don't have any faith in the chair, really, right? And so if you can't completely rest and trust in Jesus, he says, do you have no faith? You have no faith in me if you don't completely trust what I can do for you. And the other, the other question as, you, as you're tracking along with me that I thought of as I was preparing this is what if whatever situation you're in leads to death for yourself, spouse, kids, best friends? What, what if? What if it leads to death? How can that be good at all? I would ask you, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Because if you do, then then being with Jesus for eternity is far better than anything in this world can offer. For you, your spouse, your kids... being with Jesus for eternity is, is much better for you. And I know there's situations where the, the individual is not a believer, and I, I get that. I, I, I understand completely. I'm not, I'm not downplaying the pain. I'm not downplaying that people will miss you, that you'll miss the individual. You'll, these, these things are real. I'm not downplaying that, but it's, it's, and it's not what you want. None of these things are, are what you want. Nobody wants to go through hard things. But again, I go back to that quote I said earlier. Don't interpret God through your view of your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through your view of God. So in the the last verse of of this section, the disciples respond to Jesus' authority because he was displaying he has power over nature. That's what he's saying. Listen, I've got authority here and I'm going to show you my authority. And they said, they were terrified first and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They didn't ask Jesus. I found that interesting. He's standing right there. And they didn't say, Jesus, who are you? How did you do that, right? No, they, they who is this guy, right? He has power over the world. Who is this, right? They, and they were terrified, right? They, they see this guy, Jesus, all of a sudden all powerful. At least powerful enough to calm a storm. I mean, that's scary, he, he has authority, he has power. I would tremble, right? We, we tremble. And so I asked myself as I read this, and I ask you, what is your response to Jesus? When you consider him, the author and perfecter of our faith, when you consider the gospel, if you've never heard the gospel before, it means good news. And it, it's this, that Jesus died in your place on the cross. All of sin falls short of the glory of God and the punishment for sin, the penalty for sin is death. We should die for the wrongs that we do against God. And Jesus came and died in our place. And then three days later, he rose again. He forever defeated sin, forever defeated the grave. And those who believe in him will now have a new life in him and now have eternity with him. That's the gospel. When you consider that, what you respond, Jesus did that for you. He did that for me. 
This is the one who offers eternal life completely to those who place their faith in him. The one who can calm the wind and the waves with his voice. The one who promised to send a helper to be with you, to teach you, to guide you, to protect you, to pray for you when you don't have the words to pray. The only one who is worthy of all praise, all blessing, all honor, and all glory. The name above all names, the king above all kings, our savior, our hope, our everything. Jesus, what is your response to Jesus? So I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up now. That way you're not wondering, why is the band going up there now? I'm going to ask them to come now. We're about ready to close. And uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. Try to get out early, right? But I, I ask you, as they're coming up, how do you respond? Okay? And not just to Jesus, not just to his authority, but how do you respond to the things that happen to you, around you? If you're in a storm right now, if you're struggling, if some, I mean, there, there are many situations I know in this room. If you're struggling, reach out to your K-group. And if you don't have one, find one. I know they take a break in the summer, but there are some groups that are still going to meet at times, and you can find someone that you know that you can just connect with. Hey, I just need to be around believers right now. Reach out to them. Reach out to your fight club. Reach out to this church, any pastor Jeremy, Roy, John, myself, elders, deacons, we're, we're willing to listen. We're willing to be here to share with you the true hope that's in Jesus Christ. Remember, the disciples were united. They were together. Now, if things are good for you right now, praise God for that, for sure. I mean, if things are going well, I mean, praise God. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. But I, I said it earlier, but there could be something coming. And I would encourage you to prepare yourself. Don't just say, well, things are good. I must be doing something right. Prepare. Stay in Scripture. Keep seeking Jesus. Encourage others along the way. Those who are struggling, you are the best encourager right now for someone who's hurting and struggling. Don't allow yourself to become God just because things are going your way. It's your plan. So therefore, it's me. And lastly, if you're just coming out of a storm, again, praise God for that. If if you've just gone through something hard and hurting, consider how you grew and share that story. It doesn't always have to be publicly or on video, but I appreciate, I'm going to point him out, Lee Lawrence in the back there on the base. He he recently sat down with us, uh, my wife and I, at our house and just shared with us a recent struggle that they had gone through. And that's encouraging because he, he didn't know what I was going to speak on, really. I think he knew maybe the passage, but he didn't know my points or any of that. And I, I tell you, he, he hit every single one of my, my points just in what he shared his story, what God taught him, what, you know, how God worked through that. And so I'm going to let him, I won't take his, his words. But whatever season you find yourself in, I just encourage you that you're, you have a story to tell. And come together. And either share that story of hurt and heartache and people can encourage you or you have a great story to tell of how God came through and how you can encourage others. But I invite you just to listen to Lee's words and then, and then just respond it in song and know that God, God cares. God cares. Uh, some of y'all, some people know what uh, my family and I have been through with foster care uh, and the uh, the trials and the struggles there. 
you know, my natural response is to take control um, and just face this head on. You know, there was anger, there was hurt, there was all of these things, and we grew through it. We really did. We, we grew closer to God. We grew closer as a family. You don't go through that kind of thing without some change, without some growth. I've told people, and it's, it's scary to say this, but I've told people, I would do it again. I would go through it again just to experience God that way. You know, I just want to encourage you. The, the words in this song, uh, to me, is like a battle, battle cry. Because it's not always easy, but uh, He's there with us. And uh, reach out, uh, read, read Scripture, pray. I count the joy of every battle because I know that you'll be there.